Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, all right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about warfare. Um, Basically, you know, the fighting techniques have changed throughout the years and kind of get into different things. And the world is definitely changing. You know, things aren't the way they used to be. There was a lot of cool stuff, you know, with new ideas that kind of shape and change how we fight battles and how, you know, how the winners get decided. Um. It all depends on the tactics and new ideas and basically being able to adapt. And, you know, I don't know if the, what the world brings, you know, we see what's going on in Iran right now. And, you know, I guess when the kids are at school, are they going to look out the window and see some kind of red dawn playing out? Um, you know, Iran may be more likely to do some kind of EMP weapon, something like that. You know, they've made that threat a lot to us. Uh, we also have things like uh, all the uh, chaos and turmoil in Virginia. You know, if you live in Virginia, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, they're getting a little bit worried about it. And, you know, you kind of need to understand how to protect yourself, how to protect your family, how to keep things, you know, safe. And, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of threats out there, and that's why we prepare. So, uh Kevin, basically, can you kind of take us through like history of warfare? Like, how does how has the natural progression kind of been? Like, what are the changes? Well, in, in uh, 1984, uh, West Point came out with a um, came up with a uh, listing of types of warfare tactics. Okay, and uh, first generation warfare is considered to be like uh, that's for, fought with armies with uh, line and column tactics. So that would be, um, you know, Romans and Greeks uh, straight up through um, 
through uh, more modern uh, European warfare, like the, the American uh, War for Independence was first-generation warfare. And even, you know? I think, the other end of the spectrum of that, even like Braveheart, you know, the big clashes. Right. And, you know, even though it's all on, you know, aggression and whatever, it's still just running right at the enemy, you know? Right, and it's basically it's basically in a war that's fought with like massed armies, you know, throwing bodies at a problem, right? Yeah, face, you know, facing off in a field somewhere. Second uh, generation warfare is more of a modern warfare. I uh, I think usually they consider the the American Civil War as the first modern war. Okay. Now that was, um, you know, you could say Napoleon, uh, the Napoleonic Wars were. But, you know, it's not, not really, he, he had a lot to do with, um, uh, accurate artillery use, All right. which is a big part of it. But another big part was, um, using, uh, using more modern equipment, um, ironclad ships, um, artillery like Napoleon, like we had mentioned, um, and, uh, moving away from, from musket warfare. Uh, rifles and you when know, they got to line up for you to hit them. Right, right. Third generation warfare. That's that's kind of what we're we're more used to uh, in tactics. Tactics wise, third generation warfare fo- fo- uh, focused on late modern technology. Um, that was about speed and maneuverability. Uh, the Blitzkrieg uh, during World War II. That okay. was that was uh kind of the first idea of third generation warfare um, where you have heavy equipment moving fast outflanking each other and um, you know kind of cutting off different parts of of your enemy and then isolating them and you know crushing them and crushing them right fourth generation warfare is what we're talking about today that's modern warfare today so fourth generation warfare is um it's basically decentralized forms of, of combat. Blurred lines between civilians and um, combatants. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, Vietnam, um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, those types of wars that are more of a, a counterinsurgency war than they are, you know, two uh, specific groups, you know, combating one another. Right. So the tactics for for fourth generation warfare are, you know, quite a bit different. Um, so what we're talking about with that, we're talking about uh, cameras, we're talking about drones, uh, communication encryption, um, and, you know, that sort, of, that sort of thing. So whether you're in Virginia and you're worried about what the government's going to do, or whether you're uh, Irani-backed... Um, militias in Iraq, um, you know, the, all these kind of, you know, all these kind of wars that we're involved with now are what we're, we're talking about today. Right. And that is that true fourth generation, you know, and, and different, different style than, than what America's been used to really. But I guess, you know, our younger kids have kind of grown up with it now, you know? Right. Um, right. And, you know, you, you can see a lot of these tactics are used in, um, they were used in Iran on the Iranian people when they had those big, uh, 
riots a few a uh, few weeks ago. Yes. Um, they've been using it in Venezuela, in Hong Kong on their own. You know, most of these are on their own civilians, governments on their own civilians. Right. And that's, I mean, that's how it plays out, it seems, more often than not. And even, you know, the wars that we've been fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, it's kind of been the majority of the population against a massive army, where it kind of is like, you know, the same thing as if you're fighting your government kind of thing, because it's the organized military against a civilian slash militia population, you know? Right. Right. And a lot of the um, stuff that's used effectively uh, by governments and by uh, the bigger armies fighting this type of warfare is, um, is modern technology, you know, tracking social media, tracking, uh, you know, leaders of, of insurgent groups, you know, using, using ca- uh, cameras and satellite pictures to, uh, to watch, you know, groups and uh, figure out what they're doing um, before they, before they actually strike. And it's uh, a lot about, a lot of it is about intelligence. Right. And how well the insurgent is able to circumvent intelligence uh, really dictates how, they survive and handle that. Well, I I think, I mean, it even kind of goes back to like the principles of, you know, Sun Tzu and the art of war and, and understanding it, you know, these principles hold true throughout time. And it's, it's really about outmaneuvering and by understanding surveillance and how they're monitoring, you know, social media and everything else, it can be used as a tool to, you know, to also throw off the scent of, uh, you know, an oppressor. It, there's a lot of different things, you know, that you can do, but also being aware of what you say, what you share, and, you know, telling everybody who you are and what you're about. You know, it's, it's a fine line between standing up for freedom and defending it and basically making yourself a target, you know? Right, right. And that's the... Uh, the balance, I guess, you know, cause you don't want to be a coward and, and give up on freedom. Cause if we're all afraid, I mean, that's how, you know, the Nazi, the German government under the Nazi regime were able to control the people. And that's how the Russians were able cause people would, were too afraid to organize or talk to anybody or speak their mind. And that's when you get into trouble. But on the flip side, you don't want to tip your hand, you know, that's... Right. Right. And a lot of the time uh, they use these tactics to uh, keep people from speaking out, to keep people from reacting. And silence becomes consent at a certain point. And, and also, I think you run into a big problem where when you're not openly saying it, the people, people feel like they're alone in their opinions. Um, oh, well, I must be the only guy who likes guns anymore, you know, because nobody else anywhere I go, they're all, you know, that they're all horrified at that and, and change the subject or walk away and are uncomfortable. And the only ones who speak out in the public forum are, you know, people who are anti. Now, that's not so much in the public forums that we're in, 
Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how the, the culture has the big shift. And that's, right. you know, when you're watching CNN or CBS or, you know, any of these news channels, you know, guns are such a taboo and, and you know, shunned topic, you know, as far as being pro-gun anyway. Um, so you just have to be aware of, you know, what you're saying, what you're divulging, Um and I think that's where the argument for well-thought-out arguments comes from, too. Um, mm-hmm. Having ways to express yourself instead of saying, well, you know, I have the right to carry my gun and, and you guys can't tell me what to do. But actually having a clear, logical path, one, is going to make it difficult for people to argue and use that against you. However, in the past, I have to say that oppressors usually don't like people who make well, well thought out arguments, right. Um, that they actually become, you know, the, uh, the key people they want to get rid of, you know, those are the ones who end up in the camps. Right. You're the one on the top of the list. You know, when you're, when you're somebody that, that speaks out about, um, about government fairness or about whatever it is that you're, you're upset about, you know? Yeah. But, uh, Another thing, I mean, with like, you know, countries like Iran saying the stuff that they're saying, I mean, it's pretty crazy. They could, uh, you know, I, I I just don't see them being effective, but there are so many little things they could do that could really disrupt us. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to disrupt the infrastructure. And so it is very concerning Like, I don't think, you know, they can send a military over here and really be a threat to us. But our infrastructure is weak and vulnerable. Um, You know, and to an EMP, that's a very dramatic and, and, you know, dangerous thing that could really, you know, but also computer viruses or, you know, oil refineries or, you know, all these different things. We have vulnerabilities. You know, I know there was a big uh, documentary on, uh, you know, Discovery Channel or the History Channel, and they just talked about America's vulnerabilities, you know, and it's like, as far as infrastructure, you know, and right. it was kind of meant to spook you, but. Yeah, I think a, a lot of uh, what I've been hearing about Iraq, Iran lately is uh, their advancement in cyber warfare. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of the fourth generation warfare is cyber warfare. You know, if you can shut down water systems and power grids and things like that, you know, the truth is working in that kind of uh, environment, I see all sorts of loopholes, all sort of sorts of backdoors, easily getting in and out of these systems. You know, half of these things are are protected by passwords that say admin or, uh, you know, shit like that, yeah. you know, where people just don't bother to, to update it. You know, the new guy comes in and you know what? It's just all the same. Look, at I, this is the password. It's admin here, admin here. Yeah. You know, one, two, three, four on this to get in. You know, there's there's a series of about, you know, probably 200 different types of uh, codes that get you in in 90% of computer systems. Right. That can shut down all sorts of stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I work for a... Uh a large company and, and they basically same type of thing, you know, they, uh, you know, the passwords are, 
are, you know, clearly obvious and, you know, not well thought out. And it's just, you have so many people sharing it, you know, there's so much that we become complacent, you know, and obviously, you know, companies are worried about corporate espionage and things like that, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's, what are you going to do? You have the masses and whatever, if you have a hundred people and they don't care that much, you know, that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about um uh what's his name? Um well Kasami uh, Salmani. Uh right. he was Iranian general. Yeah. You wanna to touch on touch on him real quick? Sure. Now they had had a, a few incidents uh with a uh, an American contractor being killed, um riots outside the US embassy by these uh, Iranian backed militia groups. Right. Um a lot of uh, terrorist activities, you know, taking place over there. And uh, Donald Trump was talking about it and upset by it and, and you know, threatened to do something about it. And uh, what's his name? The, the supreme Iran- Iranian dictator, Ayatollah Ali uh, Khamenei. Yeah. So he basically responded with a text saying you can't do anything about it. I mean... I grew up in a neighborhood where it was common. Yes, you're a New Yorker, you know. Talk shit, get hit. You know what I mean? And uh, so, <laughs> that sounds you right. Talk shit, you got hit. You know what do you what do you want? There's nothing you can do about it ex- except that, I guess. I forgot about that. You know that a lot of the this shit comes down to um, pushing envelopes. You know, are you willing to respond to this? Are you willing to respond to this? continually provoking and then when you get a bloody nose screaming about how you you know how you got hit well stop talking shit you know exactly no and that's the the problem is that for a long time you know prior to trump america's been sending signals that hey we're gonna keep taking it on the chin you know right and it's it's not even just america you know we want to say it's just that america was always the tough guy and that's right. why America suddenly looks weak. It's not like anybody else is any stronger. It's right. just that it's America's always been the tough guy. And mm-hmm. who didn't take crap had that John Wayne kind of attitude, you know? Right. And, uh, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, people say, hey, you know, I can keep pushing America, keep coming over and slap you in the face and be like, well, I'm not doing it now. You know, look, I'm over here. I'm back on my side of the yard. And so you can't do anything. And America's like, well, you know, you are back on your side. So we're going to let it go because, you know, I don't want to lose American lives and blah, blah, blah. But you can only get smacked in the face so many times. And then people start to say, hey, you know what? They're really weak. They're ready to be taken out. Yeah, They're not going to do shit. Obviously, you're not doing anything. Sometimes you have to do something about it. And most likely, the way Trump reacted is the wake-up call that the world kind of needed to see. Mm -hmm. And that might be the end of it. You know what I'm saying? It could just be like, hey, you know what? America is not going to just keep taking it on the chin. And hopefully, you know, that leads to, you know, a little more respect in the world. I know that's not 
necessarily how it plays out. And I don't know. I mean, it really depends because the bottom line, Iran's a wild card. Um, you know, you're dealing with crazy. You can't put logic and, and reason into them, but it also doesn't mean that you let it go unchecked. You know, you can't say, oh, well, they're a loose cannon. They might actually try and attack us, even though they know in the end they would lose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because they're crazy. You know, that's that's always been our problem with North Korea. You know, you're like, well, how do you really respond? Because they're right. crazy. Yeah, and their only their only draw or their only um the only thing that they want is to stay in power. That's yeah. really that's really it. Uh, North Korea is never going to give give up its nuclear weapons because North Korea has finally got a seat at the table. You know, right. they have people talking to them because right. people are concerned about what North Korea is going to do. They're not going to give those up willingly. Right. And just like Iran trying to get nuclear weapons, once they get them, it's not going to be it's not going to be a positive thing for the world. You know, right. we're going to have one more uh, doomsday scenario on the table. And it's it's not like they are still not denying the Holocaust. Uh, it's not like they're, you know, still talking well about Hitler. Um, you know, the shit that's going on in Iran is, uh, you know, people are really upset with their government because they took that billion dollars or whatever it was the United States gave them to, you know, stop their nuclear program. Right. And they didn't invest it in the people. They invested it in, you know, more, you know, rusty AK-47s to hand out to, um, you know, to militia groups in I- Iraq. You know, they yeah. invested in uh, supplying arms to, um, you know, militia groups in Syria. They didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't improve the lives of North Korea, of, of Iranians, Iranians right. at all. And uh, if you think about the war between Iran and Iraq that uh, happened in the 80s, Iran lost a million people. They they don't have a problem killing off their civilians in in combat. Right. As long as they stay in power. As right. long as the government heads stay in power. So if you really want to make an impression, you have to you have to hit at the head of that snake. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how you how you win wars. That's how you change hearts and minds. You know, that's the whole right. thing is you got to kind of go to the top and, and really uh, make a difference. Yeah, um, and little I, things to Iran. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, whenever we do something like this, in their mind, they're justified in retaliation and responding. In, in You know, they're like, oh, the rest of the world's going to see. Right. How you how I've been acted or. Right. And they're going to say, I was provoked. How do, how do I not, you know? Mm -hmm. So that it's really, you know, it's really is a war of information and you know, that's, that's how it works uh, when it comes down to uh, situations like Venezuela and North and uh, excuse me, Venezuela and Hong Kong, you know, maybe you're not drone striking uh, the heads of the movements, but you're arresting them. You know, right. you're moving into places where you can't see them. In Iran, they just killed everybody that was protesting. So, I mean, that's... That's whatever. the other that's way to go, happened. you know? Yeah, you, you can do that also. Just right. kill everybody in your eye. You past them. Well, one of the best ways to prepare against stuff like that, I think, too, that people don't consider is... Like, one of the ways that I think that we had such a hard time in the Middle East was they 
it was their territory, their infrastructure. They understood what was around them, what resources they had, where they could hide, what buildings had allies in it and what buildings didn't, you know, and Mm -hmm. that on the ground knowledge makes the insurgents so powerful, you know, um, that's, you know, it's knowing where you're safe because America, they might have a map and say, well, you know, here's where the grocery stores are and this is where this is. And these guys are our friends. But even when they are their friends, you don't know if they're your friends. You know what I'm saying? So you're always on guard, always second guessing, always, you know, debating intelligence, questioning what's real. And that's where it gave them a big leg up on us and why it became so difficult to go in and separate when you had to sort out good from bad and everybody's wearing the same mask, you know, right? that's what gets you into trouble. But I would say, you know, understanding, being able to protect and defend your own area and your own life, it's important to understand what resources and what liabilities you have available to you. Um, Like, you know, some of the resources, think of like, you know, the pharmacy or, you know, hospitals, hardware stores, plumbing, food distribution centers, sporting goods stores, gun stores, farms, who your allies are, like I was just saying, the sheriff and police stations, those could be resources for you. Radio stations could be a resource for you. You know, all that communication stuff, municipal buildings with solar and things like that, that all are valuable assets. And and some of those things you're thinking, well, the resources when they're open, but they're also resources after society breaks down. After they're abandoned. You know, when they're abandoned, nobody's going to haul away everything out of a Home Depot. Now, you may have people who take over the Home Depot and maybe set up some kind of bartering, uh, you know, whatever. But somebody's probably not in the first week or two going to take away 200 sheets of plywood and, you know, and these are things to, if you're thinking and using your head when things start falling apart, and I'm not talking about just looting, uh, but I am saying when resources are uh, completely gone and, and things, and like I said, I really don't mean go loot from people. I'm just saying when there's nothing there, and if you know where to acquire stuff, even if it's through legitimate barter and trade, mm-hmm. then you're going to be better off. Now, I also mentioned liabilities. So think about like where the prison is that's nearest you or the county jail. Think about like nuclear power. And we discussed, you know, on an episode how to prepare for that. Um, think about the trailer park that might be up the road. That's a liability, you know, because right. you got a large concentration of desperate people. Um, if you live near uh, government or project housing, that's a liability. Right. You know, unless, unless you have a secret army there, you know, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I know in my case, it's a liability. Um, uh, yeah. But also, you know, it goes back to, you know, what Kevin was saying, uh, just being really careful about what you say on social media. Don't tell people all your plans, what you have. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, having an opinion, although it may cost you a little bit with your freedom. But, uh, you know, it's not wrong to have an opinion, 
But like I said, you don't have to completely tip your hand and you don't have to be as obvious of, you know, who you are and whatever is, as some people are, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things I think it's important to, uh, kind of trade knowledge, trade information, you know, as far as, uh, learning how to be more prepared, you know, talking to your neighbors, talking to your family, talking to, you know, everybody else, just make sure that they've got a little bit extra set aside for, you know, whatever's coming, you know, and have the ability, you know, and just basic abilities like, um, changing a flat tire and jumping a car, you know, basic common sense stuff that, you know, maybe your 17 year old daughter doesn't know how to change a tire and it's not a big deal because you got AAA. But it wouldn't hurt to know how to change a tire. You know what I'm saying? And that goes for a million other things that we teach our kids every day. We, you know, we go over with our family, with our friends. Um, you know, it's important that sort of stuff. Uh, food preservation. Um, you know, if the power goes out and your refrigerator is full, what's going to happen to that food? Is there a way that you can save some of that stuff before it's uh, before it's just rotten and your your whole kitchen, you know, stinks like uh you know, like a dump, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff is really important when it comes down to how prepared and how competent your family and your neighbors are. Right. Do you know how to make moonshine? Well, then what are you going to do when the liquor store closes? That's right. That's right. You got to realize. Go back back and listen to our moonshining episode and uh, start (laughs) building your stills. You know, that's going to be money. Everyone says it's going to be bullets. I think it's going to be whiskey. It's whiskey be happier that way yeah yeah no it's trouble um but be aware of what you say but like i said also be aware of your resources and you know when we talk about preparing it's also about preparing you know we say get the food get the supplies get the solar stuff get the stuff that might survive an emp or that's protected in a faraday cage or you know, things, you resources that you have put away that you can fall back on. Well, part of prepping is, you know, if you're worried about the government taking away your guns, then are you preparing for that? Are you, you know, if you're worried about 30 round magazines becoming illegal, are you preparing for that? Right. Um you know, I don't know what preparing means to you. Maybe it means you're not spending your money on them and you're using your money to buy food. That might be one way you could go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or maybe you do something else. I don't know. But I would say now is the time to prepare. Um, you know, the world is changing. And if, you know, your idea of preparing is not buying 14 AR-15s and putting them in your house, then maybe that you should stop buying them and save that money to use on things that comply with your government. Right. And you should be doing that. Mm -hmm. And And if you're uh, worried about what people are, you know, about people watching you and you're worried about people uh, keeping an eye on what you're doing, what's legal today might not be what's legal tomorrow. And it, it isn't always grandfathered in. A lot of us think about this sort of thing. And yeah, it's a good idea to maybe stock up on some of these things that might be illegal next week. But some oh, of those that things what you were saying, because I was saying uh, that just because not well, what I'm saying is just just oh. buying the things and having them might be a good tactic. But at the same time, you might lose all that stuff complying to government laws. 
Yes. And, you know, maybe you should focus on on food. Maybe you should focus on, you know what they, they don't ban a lot? Ammunition. You know, they don't grandfather a lot of that shit in. Like, you can only have 100 rounds in your house. They do that some places. The United States is still all right. But maybe having 15 uh, AR-15s is not going to be the same situation. What if I only have two? Or what if I have 25? You see, it could go either way. It could go either way. Right. It's a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. What if I have zero? You know, what if you have 15 AR-15s and zero snow shovels? Maybe you should think, you know, reconsider your, your plan a little bit. All right. But what I am saying is now is the time to think. Now is the time to prepare. Um, decide what you want out of life and, uh, you know, plan accordingly. And, you know, prepare. That's what I would say. Be ready. Be resilient. Be a prepper you know and like i said honestly now is a good time to make sure that your food stores are in order and that you do have supplies you know maybe some of that night vision you know it's getting really cheap right around now i gotta say you know now night vision scopes 6.99 somewhere in that neighborhood sometimes there's a scale a sale 5.99 yeah Sliding down. It used to be two or three grand you were looking at for one of those. And you can, uh, you know, not so shabby. Body armor. I know I've been sharing some nice, really uh, cheap sales. You yeah, know. I'm still looking for, um, for body armor for my dog. Uh, I feel like one that's like really the, uh, the risk taker, you know? I think you need the Tannerite stuffed dog that you throw out in the living room and ship uh-huh. your dog in the back, you know? Yeah, I think that might be might be a good idea. You know, if you don't mind blowing up your kitchen, the wife might not be happy about the dog stuff no. with Tannerite. Tannerite in the kitchen. What are you going to do, you know? Teach his own, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really a good idea to, to learn how to be unpredictable. I think that's right. You know, changing up what you're doing. Think about... Look at ways, I think another thing that's very important um, is to look at ways to communicate. One, ways to monitor, to listen to uh, radio conversations and be aware of what's going on is huge. Um, yeah, I've been looking at uh, police scanners lately, and right. they're not very expensive. And and starting to understand it and check out what your local uh, you know information things are and, and things you can learn there is really a cool thing for a prepper and uh, you know something you might really uh, you know find a way to really benefit yourselves. Then if you really can get into radio stuff, there are ways to communicate and to you know do different things where I don't know you can share information easily. And cause I think it's that isolation is how they hurt people. Um, I think that's what, you know, makes us weak is when we're isolated. And I think if you have ways to communicate and stay informed and understand what's really going on, it really changes people's morale and the tide of things. And I would just say, you know, find ways to communicate securely and, uh, See if you can't step that up a little bit because now would be a good time to start looking into those options. Well, 
well, it's free for Americans to do so. That's what I would say. And I know there's a lot of people at home right now screaming about ham radio licensing and that sort of thing. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit more on a future podcast. Um, But communication is really a big part of that. And communication encryption is a big part of that. Yeah. No. And there is some good stuff out there. So, you know, if it's something you're into, take a look around. There's stuff, you know, that you can figure out. So anyway, um, I think that's about what I got. You got anything else? That sounds good to me. Now, if you guys uh, want to go to our Facebook page, um, what's the, how do you access the Facebook page if you haven't been there, Chuck? Is it? Uh, so the page, if you just go to facebook.com slant prepping badass, um, you will find us. Also in uh, the search bar, if you search groups and look for the prepping badass group, you might uh, find other like-minded patriots in there. And you know, there's a lot of great people in our group and we always have some great conversations. And I think, uh, you know, you guys might, uh, might really appreciate it. So if you're looking for other like-minded folks and want to kind of stay informed about what's going on in America, we try and keep you there. Obviously you have to sift through the weeds sometimes. I don't know where, you know, where in America that isn't the case. But, uh, you know, I mean, any news channel, you got to kind of do a little bit of your own research and decide what's fact and fiction. We try and keep it in the area of fact. And uh, most people usually jump on anybody who's too far out of left field. But, uh, you know, hey, do your own research and whatever. But at least you'll see the other side of the argument. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm.